This is the bulk of our messages in this series of messages on persuasion of the heart. Paul was persuaded in his heart about the things of God. And everybody that's saved by God's amazing grace should have this same assurity in their own mind and hearts about salvation. Salvation is something that you cannot hide from. I mean, it's there, you either have it or you don't. There's no in-between in salvation. Tonight, I want you to think about this as we look at verse 12. Once again, the Bible says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. A very, a very serious topic to get a hold of tonight. The persuasion of heart. Paul had a definite persuasion that God was able and is able and still is able to watch over his children, to keep his children... That's what our message is all about tonight. We're going to be covering several different topics in this Persuasion of Heart series, but tonight we want to look at God's keeping power. The Apostle Paul made it clear that he understood that God was able. He was able to keep that which he had committed unto him. What did the Apostle Paul commit unto the Almighty? Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight as we bow in your presence, we do so with thankful hearts. Thank you, dear God, that we have gathered in this house tonight to rejoice and worship. And Father, tonight we pray that you would take your word and you would move upon the hearts of your children. Lord, I pray that you give us the comfort that stands in the need of, uh, in great need tonight, comfort of heart, comfort of mind. Lord, I I know that we that are saved by your grace have this assurance. Lord, tonight we're asking for reaffirming. Praying for that anointing, that special anointing that makes us to know and feel the joys of salvation, just like the Apostle Paul. Father, I pray that you will just bless us this evening. Empower your word, Lord, that they be those here who are lost and undone. Heavenly Father, I'm praying that you would save souls this evening. We thank you, dear God, that you're already in the saving business. We thank you for the souls that have been saved. And Lord, we just pray you'll continue to bless in this church and this body. May we continue to see young people saved by your amazing grace. And Lord, I pray that if there be any adults in this house who do not know thee tonight as well, we pray, Father, persuade them tonight. Lord, draw them by your power. Lord, may your, may your effective Holy Spirit take a mighty work and an interest in the hearts of the lost in this house. That he may save them by your grace. That he may awaken them and quicken them to where they can receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, bless us tonight. Forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name. And amen. Persuaded. By God's keeping power. Emmanuel tonight and our visiting friends, 
Our study this evening deals with the absolute and the sure keeping power of Almighty God in salvation. It's the answer to one's question of how long and how durable is God's keeping power. What does God's holy word declare when it comes to our salvation? Number one, I want you to realize this. Our salvation is an eternal salvation. Now, there are those in the world today who do not believe in eternal security. But God's Word says emphatically that our salvation is eternal. It's everlasting. It's something that nothing can take away according to Romans in chapter 8. Verses 31 down through verse 39 tells us very plainly that there is absolutely no power, no angel, no anything can take us away from the love of God. So in our text tonight, the Apostle Paul said he was persuaded that he was able to keep. Number one, he's able to keep. Now I want you to think about this for just a moment. Paul was allowing us to know that our assurances should be in God's almighty power. There is nothing that limits God. God is the omnipotent. He is the, he is the great I am. He is the sovereign authority of the universe and all that is. I mean, we only know what's in our universe, you see. And they're finding more and more stuff as those big, nice, fancy telescopes go further and further. What do they see? They see more and more amazing things that God has created. I want you to know we serve a powerful God. In Job chapter 42, if you'll back up here for just a moment. Now, I have a lot of scripture. I'm not going to be able to use it all tonight. But I want to look at some of these to get us to, get us to where we need to be this evening. Job in chapter 42. Notice what it says in verse 1 and 2 here. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know. Now, Job had a persuasion too, didn't he? Job's heart and his mind was persuaded that the God that he served was a mighty God. He says, I know that thou canst do anything, everything, he says, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Job realized without a shadow of a doubt that God could do anything that he wanted at any time that he wanted. That's the God that we serve. In Revelation 19 and 6, we go back here for just a moment. Here the Bible says, And I heard as it were a voice of great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and the voice of the mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. That word omnipotent simply means He is the all-powerful one. He is the great I Am. There is none that can stay His hand. There is none that can do anything outside of God's own allowing it to happen. These scriptures show forth the omnipotence of God to do as He says and to do as He pleases. In Psalm chapter 12 and verse 7, again we go back for just a moment. And again, I know I'm using a lot of scripture this evening, but I want you to just bear with me. Joe, or Psalm chapter 12 and verse 7. 
Notice what it says here. The Bible says this, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. I'm in the wrong scripture. I'm in chapter 11. Chapter 12, verse 7 says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God's holy word is dependable, and when it declares an everlasting salvation, you know that's exactly what it means. In John chapter 3, and again, these are scriptures that we read all the time. In John chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, for the sake of time, the Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know what that eternal life means? It means life without end. That's what God gives His children. Those that are saved by the grace of God, the Bible says in verse 16, has everlasting life. That is life that will never end from the time that you're born to the time that you go off into eternity. That life is going to continue on. I don't know about you, but I'm, th- I'm thrilled to death that I serve a God that has saved me with an everlasting salvation, a salvation that I cannot lose, a salvation that I cannot do uh, any hurt to, that's the salvation that He's given us. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 17 and verse 11, we see where Jesus Christ was praying for us. And He was talking about that everlasting salvation. He wanted us to be with Him where He is. Child of God tonight, that is a thrill to know. To know the everlasting God loves you with an everlasting love. That's what he says also of his children. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Child of God tonight, if you're saved by the grace of God, it's because that he first loved you and he's loved you with an everlasting love. Now the Apostle Paul was quite confident in the fact that he was saved and there was nothing could change that. That's joy. That's what brings peace to the heart. Amen? We've been talking on Sunday mornings about peace and and about the tranquil life of the believer. Now, our lives are not always perfect. We often have problems and trials and tribulations in our lives, but the Almighty God who watches over us, He allows whatever comes into our lives, and that also is something that needs to be understood. God... Whatever comes in our life, it's been allowed by God. Understand that. Job. Job was a man who God allowed Satan to touch. But the only reason Satan could touch him is, and Satan admitted to the fact that God had a hedge about him, just like he does us. God has a hedge about us. That's the powerful God that we serve. He loves us with an everlasting love. In the book of Jude in verse 24. Jude and verse 24. We'll go on to this and then we'll go to our second point here. Jude in verse 24. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to keep you. Now I want to stop right there for just a moment. For those that say you could lose your salvation, I again have to ask you and I have to question Why would you go against the Scriptures? 
Eternal and everlasting, number one, is, is salvation that cannot be thwarted. Here the Bible says, and we've already discussed that the Apostle Paul was convinced in his heart. He was assured in his heart that God was able to keep him. He knew that without a shadow of a doubt. And we'll get to that at the end of our third point. And we'll talk about the reasons why that the Apostle Paul realized that God could keep him. But here the Bible says this in verse 24 of the book of Jude. It says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Folks, there's where the power is. There's where, there's the reason why tonight that the Apostle Paul had a persuasion of heart. And this is the reason why tonight, if you're saved by God's amazing grace, you're persuaded in your heart that He's able to keep you. Now listen, if you weren't, if you didn't have that persuasion, it would be a miserable life. And I've known men, as I've said many times before, I've known men who would look at me and say, I just don't know if I've done enough. I don't know if, if I've not sinned and, and He's took away my salvation. Folks, I want you to know, that's not salvation. That's not even a hope so salvation. Listen, the salvation that God gives is a salvation that can never end. And that's one thing that Paul was persuaded about. But notice what he says, secondly, Paul was persuaded that nothing could rob us of salvation, security, and joy. In 2 Timothy, again, we go back here. And again, we, you, we're going to use this, we're going to wear this scripture. We're going to wear it and wear it good. And the Bible says this in 2 Timothy, in chapter 1 and verse 12, For the which cause also suffer thee things, nevertheless... I am not ashamed, or in other words, I'm not confused, I'm not confounded. I'm not ashamed, he says, for I know whom I have believed. If you're saved by God's amazing grace, you know who saved you. You know that it was uh, the God of heaven who, who made you to come to life, to see that you had a need, to see that you were a sinner and needed salvation. That's what God does. That's God's work. It says, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. There's the confidence. That's what happens in real salvation. You have confidence in your faith. You have confidence in your salvation. You have confidence in knowing that God is able to keep that which you have committed unto Him against that day. Folks, that's what it means to commit yourself unto God. Paul had, as we do, he had committed the safekeeping of his soul, body, and spirit unto the power of his Creator. That's what we do. We commit our soul, body, and spirit to the Creator in his salvation toward us. In John chapter 10 and verse 27, let's go back here for just a moment. John chapter 10. Notice what it says here in verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, 
Look at what it says here in verse 28 and 29. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Folks, I'll tell you, there's the confidence that you need. There's where you can rest in your salvation. There's where your salvation makes all the difference in the world to the outside world outside that don't, doesn't have that security, that does not have that hope. It's simply because they're not resting in the salvation that God gives. He says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Folks, I want you to know, there's your confidence. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul was persuaded in his heart that nothing could take away his salvation because God had it in his hand. You know, oftentimes you hear people say, I'm going to hang on to God's hand. Listen, I want you to know God's hanging on to my hand. He's got the hand that can, He's got the power to hold me. He's got the power to do. Now in Romans in chapter 8, I mentioned this a while ago, and I'm going to read this real quick because this, <clears throat> this here is where, again, you see the power of God and you see His, able, His ableness to keep us. The Bible says in verse 31 down through verse 39, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen, if God's on your side, listen, I don't care if it's the devil himself and all the host of hell, nothing can stand against the Almighty God. He is your God. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is it that condemneth it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God? What's he doing? He's making intercession for you and me. You know that little sin that you committed? You know when you went when you went in in first John chapter one and verse nine, where the Bible talks about the fact that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what he's doing? He's interceding on your behalf. He's there making intercession for you. He's there pleading your case before the Almighty God. I have paid for their sins, Father. He says in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? These are all, these are all social uh, uh, happenings that happen in our lives. Can anything that you can imagine take away your salvation socially? The Bible goes on to say, and, and I want you to look at verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us, for I am persuaded. Again, the Apostle Paul loved using this word. He had a, he had a definite persuasion in his heart. Just like every one of you that's saved by God's amazing grace tonight should have. A definite persuasion of heart. Your faith ought to be definite. And it says here, for I am persuaded. Now I want you to listen to all these things and ask yourself, is there anything that God cannot conquer? He says this, and when it comes to your salvation, He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, I want you to know something right there is security. There's a reason why that our hearts ought to be persuaded tonight. God is able. Now, lastly, I want you to look at this. Paul was persuaded because of faith's sake. For his faith's sake. Paul stated himself to be persuaded that he was able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What did Paul first, uh, first of all commit unto the Almighty's safekeeping? I believe, he, I believe he committed his heart. I believe he committed his faith. He believed with all of his heart that God had saved him. Listen, folks, that's what, it, that's what salvation is. That's what salvation does. I explained just the other day to a young man about what salvation is and how it comes in. Folks, I want you to know something. It takes true belief. It takes a childlike faith in order for us to believe in salvation. And I've said this before and I said this the other day. Don't ever discourage a child from being childlike faith. Don't ever discourage a child from using the faith that God has already given them. Amen. Folks, don't do that. Take your faith and, and, and listen, as this child, as he believes in his heart as it is, that's the way we are saved. We believe in our hearts. We believe that God is able, amen. We believe that what his word says is true. His word says that if we believe, we shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. Listen, that's what faith is all about. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. What's not, what's not of yourselves, it is that gift that God gives, the gift of faith. When does it come? Romans ten seventeen says it comes after the hearing of the word of God. When you hear the Word of God, faith is ushered in by the Holy Spirit. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Friend, I want you to know tonight that when you hear the Word of God, as the Scriptures say, as the Apostle Paul was telling young Timothy, it is able to make thee wise unto salvation. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul stated in Romans 1.16 that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it was the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. There's the key to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That tells me that whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. You know where it begins? It begins in the heart. When Paul was on the road to Damascus as Saul, and God met him in the way, listen, God dealt with that man at that point in that time. He knew that he was a sinner, and he knew he needed to be saved. As a matter of fact, as he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Friend, I want you to know tonight, that's what happens in salvation. The Holy Spirit deals with the heart. 
the Holy Spirit moves upon the heart and, and that individual comes to know the, the, that he can trust the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. So Paul's first of all committed his faith unto the Lord. What he was saying was, what I believe, I'm trusting that you're going to hold up to it. And I told an individual the other day, my dad, and this is one thing that he said. My dad was a young man when he made a profession of faith. He was in the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church, big Baptist church in Chillicothe, Ohio. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was set aside for the deaconship when the Lord actually saved him. Preacher kept trying to tell him, you're just emotional. Dad always said, I'm not emotional. I know what happened. Dad said, if I go to hell, I'm going to go there trusting the Lord. He said that very moment the Lord saved his soul. Folks, I want you to know something. Faith is real. The Apostle Paul was, was, was making a statement here that everything that he had in his heart, he owed it to the Lord. He not only owed it to the Lord, but he trusted it in his keeping. Folks, I want you to know something. That's what makes salvation so joyful. He keeps what you've committed unto him. What did you commit unto him? Number one, your faith, your body, soul, and spirit. That's what, he, that's what it is. That's what makes the difference. That's what real salvation does. It'll change you completely. So tonight as we look at this, the Apostle Paul stated here that the Lord was in charge of his safekeeping. And he believed that he not only could, but would keep him until the very end. In Galatians 4, 6, the Bible teaches us that we are kept by the aid of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 13 and 1 John 2 and 4, the Bible says we're kept by the Word. In John 17, 11 and Hebrews 7, 25, the Bible says we're kept by the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans in chapter 4 and Romans in chapter 8, the Bible says we're kept by the atonement of Christ. Paul was absolutely persuaded of his own security and of the security of all the Lord's redeemed. And folks, we too can be just as assured of this keeping power as Paul was. And we can be blessed in our hearts and minds this very evening. Folks, I don't know about you, but I'm, I joy in my salvation. I thank my God above that my heart, my heart tells me because the Holy Spirit's here. First John tells us He's that Spirit at witness within us. You know, a lot of times the devil tries to get you to you know, question your salvation. That's what the devil does. The devil tries to make you think, well, who in the world are you thinking you're saved? Look at what you've done. All the, the, and as far as the devil can take you is back to Romans in chapter 8. There in verse 39, I believe it is, or 38 and 39, where the Bible says ain't nothing going to take it away. Child of God, that's what I rejoice in tonight.
That does not give me a license to go out and sin and live like the devil and live like the world. I don't want to do that. That's a true sign of a real born-again believer. One who is not habitually sinning. In other words, one who does not allow sin to rule in their lives. Are you saved by the grace of God tonight? Do you wish to be saved by the grace? Do you wish to have the assurance and the security that the Apostle Paul had? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.